What's up, everybody? Welcome back. The first week of OTAs are in the books. I think Deshaun Reed of The Athletic reported that there was 86% participation. That's huge, especially for a team that was part of the NFL PA boycott. I think that Rich Incognito hit the nail on the head where he said, we want to win. We want to get back to work. And that's what they did. They got back to work. handful of players were missing. I'm not really concerned about it. Um, There were some players that just haven't signed, rookies that haven't signed yet. Um, Yannick Ngakwe was not there. I'm not concerned about it because he played for Gus Bradley before. He knows what Gus wants. Um, Josh Jacobs wasn't there, but we've seen Josh Jacobs working out in the offseason. Once again, not really concerned about Josh Jacobs not being there. There's no players that I feel are going to be a holdout. Uh, I think that things are looking on the up. And I look at this team, and this team is pretty exciting. I look at the defense. The defense is faster. Jonathan Abram looks to be more fluid. And I'm excited about him moving into that box safety role where he is going to be able to flourish. I look at Trayvon Merrick, and he looks to already have command of that center field. And it's something that we haven't had as Raider fans for a long time, a strong center fielder. And I think that his knowledge, his depth, he's going to be able to come in and making an instant impact. Alex Leatherwood, we got our first look at him. Quick feet. Big dude, big lumbering guy, quick feet. I do have question marks about the offensive line. Obviously, losing Gabe Jackson, losing Rodney Hudson, losing Trent Brown. You lose three or five starters. There's always going to be question marks. I think that the Raiders did a good job with the contingency plan, bringing back Richie Incognito, bringing back Denzel Good, having some continuity there. But I hopefully believe that they can do something really good with this offensive line. Tom Cable's been pretty well, done a pretty good job of getting this offensive line where it needs to be year in and year out. Did a good job of putting players where they needed to be as Trent Brown goes down, Richie goes down. They were playing chess with the pieces, and they were able to move players around and do a really good job. But one of the places where the Raiders fell short was in the run game. Uh, hopefully adding Alex Leatherwood, adding Denzel Good, uh, bringing in Andre or adding Andre James as a starter fits Tom Cable's mixed zone blocking scheme because, quite frankly, we weren't seeing that last year. I think that that's where things started to fall short is in that offensive zone blocking for the run. So as we get into it, that's what I'm looking forward to. Now, some news came out in the NFL. Uh, The AP reported the NFL was using race norming, which basically was saying that black players started out with a lower cognitive function, and it made it harder for black retirees to show a deficit with their cognition, and it made it harder for them to qualify for an award. When I come back from a break, I'm going to bring on a guest. We're going to talk about a little bit about this. We're going to talk about the Raiders and you know, what this season is going to look like. 
talk a little bit about a lot of things, but stay tuned. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. Thank you for coming back. My next guest, you can find him on Twitter at Jim Trotter underscore NFL, NFL Network Analyst, co-host of the Huddle and Flow podcast with my guy, Steve Weich, longtime NFL writer whose credits include covering the Raiders rebuild from 2007 to 2014 and member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, <coughs> Cliff Branch, Mr. Jim Trotter. Jim, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. You, you're preaching to the choir on Cliff, you know. It's unfortunate yeah. that he can't get traction. But I always say it's not, it's not the Jim Trotter Hall of Fame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was pro football all the fame, so unfortunately I only have one vote. No doubt, no doubt. We need to we need to storm Canton when I'm uh, when we're out there this August for for Charles and Coach. So, yeah, no, Cliff. Yeah, I remember, man. I grew up. The first pro football game I ever went to was a Raiders game back to Coliseum. Um, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, and so um, and and I know it's always funny to me. People say when you have sort of a two team market, you got to choose one or the other. But I, right. I wasn't that guy. I like the 49ers. I like the Raiders. For different reasons, too. The one thing I, I love most about the Raiders, it was Al Davis and his contrarian attitude, you know, and his mm -hmm. maverick attitude that, you know, he's going to call it like he sees it and he doesn't care what anyone else thinks. And he ain't out here trying to win style points. He's out here trying to win games. So, yeah, I, I love that about him. And the 49ers, obviously, you know, the stereotype with the wine and cheese crowd and all of that. <laughs> and whatnot. But you had to appreciate the beauty of what Bill Walsh was able to do. No uh, doubt you know, what he established there and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, no, <clears throat> again, I grew up watching Cliff and, you know, it always mystified me that it took so long for Ray Guy to get in. You know, yeah. if you followed the Raiders back in the day, Ray was a game changer, you know, in terms of field position and those sorts of things. So I was happy when he finally got in, but, um, but yeah, man, no, anytime you, you can, you can uh, you can give me your Raider your Raiders pick because I'm usually I'm probably right there with you on much of it. No doubt, no doubt. And you know what I wanted to bring you on today, and we're, we're going to talk about the Raiders in a little bit. But what I wanted to bring you on today is you know recently the AP had a report that came out about the NFL using race norming, uh, which basically assumed the black players started out with a lower cognitive function. Um, practice made it harder for black retirees to show a deficit and qualify for an award. How dangerous is this, and especially in 2021? Oh, it's, it's incredibly dangerous and it's incredibly racist. Um, 
to be quite frank with you. And look, the reality here is that this is why there are segments of the black population that does not trust the NFL and why the NFL has has a credibility issue with these fans. Things like this. Um, Now, look, I know many owners and to say that individually or, you know, that they're racist, I, I would never do that. And I don't believe that. But collectively, as a collective, you can see why fans would say that the NFL has a race issue beyond the history of things that have gone on. And I've I've chronicled a lot of those in my writing, but this was just so blatant, you know, and it makes me question um, to some degree, the attorneys for the players in this, in this lawsuit. Yeah. What exactly what you know, were they focused on that this would be allowed to happen? Um, so again, it just comes back to so many things, you know, from a trust issue, from a credibility issue, um, from a race issue, just so many things. This was the first time I heard about it months ago. Um, it blew my mind. And yeah. so it's interesting to me now that it's getting traction again, um, because this isn't anything new. This has been out there. Well, it's crazy because you hit the nail on the head like it this you heard about this months ago we're just now hearing about this as fans and you know this has been something that's been going on and they finally got out and so now they're like okay now we have to do something i feel like the nfl may be doing some damage control they hired a new panel of uh neuropsychologists that have three black female and or i'm sorry three blacks and two females to propose new testing sounds like a pr move to me what is what is it like to you yeah but kenny what i would say to you is that this is something that never should have been allowed to happen in the first right. place. And so what it does is it feeds into that belief that the NFL is all about its dollar, you know, it's dollars, it's money and yeah. doesn't care about the players past or present that whatever they can do to maximize their revenue, their savings, whatever, that's what they're going to do. And that's the unfortunate part here. You know, um, when you admit a wrong as the NFL admitted, as it relates to, this concussion settlement. And I, and I shouldn't say admit a wrong because I'm not sure that the NFL actually admitted a wrong. It simply settled this lawsuit. Um, You had an opportunity then to really, in my opinion, start to establish some credibility and to show that you do care about these men and then to turn around and treat a certain group in this way. it, It just blows my mind, man. And I'm not surprised by it. Let me put it that way. Right. Because we know the history of the NFL and and, you know, its dealings with players and even retired players. So I can't say I'm surprised. But at the same time, I'm truly stunned that they did not take advantage of this opportunity, you know, to show that they really do care about these men. And, and I don't have to tell you, there's a belief among many, too, that, excuse me, this thing was dragged out in hopes that many of these players would die. Yeah. And that the league then wouldn't have to pay those families. So there are so many things that the league is dealing with on this, uh, in my opinion, on this, where it had a chance to really gain ground and it didn't. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for a lot of different reasons, but it's unfortunate most um, in that these men who need help were not getting the help. Absolutely. You know, I look at, you know, from a personal standpoint, I look at my dad who, you know, he's still doing good mentally, but 
you know, obviously he's starting to have some, some thoughts where, you know, he forgets things or, you know, he's got cloudy memory on things like that. And so, you know, his, that was always his concern was what's going to happen with this. And he sees his former teammates passing away at a rapid rate. We just lost Mike Davis. We lost Willie Brown. We lost Cliff Branch. And so we have, you know, all these situations Um, looking at, you know, looking at now the players in the league, they've, they've got a little more knowledge players today. They have more knowledge. They have more, they're more, a little more financially stable. Um, what do you think this might do for players that say, you know what, I don't need to play 10, 20 years. I can play five years and, and be done and, and keep my mental health. Well, we've seen players who have made health decisions, whether it's Chris Borland, whether it's um, um, Calvin Johnson to some degree um, and others who are saying, you know what, it's just not worth it for me. Now, I, I hear people all the, all the time that, you know, they used to say, well, what is this concussion issue going to do for the NFL? And are there going to be players there? And look, the reality is, let's be real here. There is always going to be a pool of talent or available players for the NFL to select from. Right. Um, there will be some who decide that for them, it's not the right thing going forward, but there will always be a, 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 a talent pool. In fact, many of the veterans that we're talking about, when I go back to them and I say, knowing what you know now, if given the opportunity, would you do the same thing over? I would, I would venture to say nine out of 10 say, yeah, I'd do it again. Mm -hmm. You know? So I don't think this is going to threaten the game in any way. And I, and I say this about us as fans too. We're like Pavlov's dogs. When that whistle blows for kickoff, we show up regardless of what's happened, regardless of how angry we are with an owner or a team or, or, a, or the league office. We show up because we love the game. We love the competition. And to me, to some degree, this is where the NFL has to be careful in understanding that this game is not what it is necessarily because of anything that the league is doing. It is successful because fans love the competition. They love the game. Mm -hmm. And I think whenever you start to lose sight of that, if you lose sight of that, that's where the danger comes in. But there will always be a pool of, of, of talent for the league to draw from. And I don't think that today's players, even though they have that sort of knowledge, you'll have some who walk away, they get what they want from the game and say it's enough. And then you'll have others who will play until the wheels come off, so to speak. Yeah. What do you think about, you know, practices like race norming and, and the Rooney rule. Um, how does that affect it's players? It's <laughs> right. Man. It's sickening. Yeah. Look, I, just, I just did a piece on the Eugene Chung um, situation where yeah. he claims that he was interviewing for a job and they told him he's not the right minority group. And so rather than, than just react emotionally, I called an expert in the diversity and inclusion field and asked her about it. And what she said, I thought, was so spot on that anytime you start to separate groups based on any number of factors, whether it's race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, doesn't matter, that you weaken that organization and you threaten the culture of that organization. And so for me, when you have things like race norming um, or when you have what we've obviously seen where um, black coaches are not being given um, the same opportunities as non-blacks. Uh, it to me, it threatens the culture of the business and it makes the working place 
not as strong as it could be. So, um, so yeah, all of that is to me, it's just, it, it, it is truly sickening that, that we would do that or, or that, that that would ever even be accepted. Right. That the cognitive skills of a black man is not on par with that of a non-black that, that just, it blows my mind that in 2021, that would be allowed to be put into practice as it relates to compensating these men for whatever, whatever injuries they may have suffered during their playing right. career. It just blows my mind. Absolutely. And, you know, we look at the Raiders and Al Davis was a maverick. He was the guy who was at the forefront of, of leading the charge for diversity with not even leading the charge for diversity. He wasn't doing it because it was the PR thing to do or was, you know, a good idea. He did it because that's what was right. He put player, he put people in position to because it was right. Amy Trask, uh, Tom Flores, um, Art Shell. When are we, when are we going to see the league do that instead of doing what looks right? When, when's the, when are we going to see the league doing what is actually right? Well, I'll say this to you. That it's a twofold question there. Um, the league has its own business to clean up first. And, that, and that's where I find some irony here when it talks about its commitment to diversity and inclusion. And then you go back and you look at the league office in terms of the senior vice presidents. And I think um, going into last season, if memory serves me right, or two seasons ago when I actually did the study, 12, there were 12 top executives. And of those 12 or 13, there were only two people of color. So it always hit me um, as being ironic that the NFL would be talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion. And yet its own house doesn't reflect that. Even today out in Los Angeles with the NFL media group, we do not have one person of color among the senior leadership, not one. So how does that happen? You know, again, you can't tell me what you're about. You have to show me what you're about. And right now, um, the league hasn't done that. So from my standpoint, there is a lot of work to be done um, on the NFL side before it can gain credibility with fan bases and particularly with minority, the minority segment of its fan bases. You know, and that's why I always say, you know, you shouldn't really comment on others until you get your business in order. Yes. And and there's work to be done with the NFL without question. I, I totally agree. Now, putting that aside, pivoting over to the back to the Raiders, uh, you put out a really well done piece on the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. And I had the opportunity to talk to your co-host, Steve Weich, about it. Um, but I wanted to kind of get your your takes on it. You know, some fans obviously got upset. Typical Raider Nation gets upset about anything. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it was spot on. Winning cures all. And there haven't been a lot of cures with the Raiders in the past 18 years. Looking at the Raiders today, uh, what are your expectations in a crucial season? Look, I, I think um, the issue for me with them is what we've seen under Gruden, particularly the last two years, is that they've gotten out of the gates quickly. And they have faltered from mid-November on. Um, they've had a losing record um, each of his three seasons from November on. That's a problem. They have to figure out what's going on there and why that's happening. Beyond that, for me, I just had an issue when John came in. And basically, you know, to, to, to put it in political terms, it was like, and I'm not saying in any way that John Gruden was Trump, but it was like Trump coming in following Obama and said, I'm getting rid of everything Obama did, whether it was good or, or not. 
And that's the sense I got with John when he came in. He said, I'm getting rid of everything that Reggie McKenzie did, did, whether it was good or not. And they tore down a team that just two years earlier had been in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't have been that bad. And that's sort of my issue. And then you look at the personnel moves that they've made, particularly in free agency. You know, the rumor is the Raiders have had cash flow issues, particularly before moving to Vegas. Well, they just burned a lot of cash on guys who didn't do anything and who didn't even stick around beyond two yeah. years. I mean, to me, that that's mismanagement. Um, in the draft, they've gotten some good players, but where are the impact players? That's what you have to have to make a difference in this league. Right. So look, Cleveland Farrell's a nice player, you know, and he'll be a good player for a number of years in this league. Is he an impactful player? I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen it. Look at all of their first round picks. Can you name one who has been an impactful guy? Josh Jacobs, I like a lot. You know, you can say he has, and I'll give him that. But in terms of when you talk about the key positions on a football team, right? you've got your quarterback with Derek Carr, but then look at your edge rushers. Have you gotten an impactful guy there? No. Um, Cole, well, we got you know, Yannick but, now. Okay. <laughs> so now, so now, first of all, you had to go out in free agency to get right. him. Second right. of all, he's on what his fourth team, fourth or fifth team. Yeah. In what two years? Yeah. You know. So, and yeah. I'm not in any way bagging on Yannick, but right. um, I'm interested to see how he does in this setup. You know, it's funny how we we forget. When John came in and hired Paul Gunther, my God, you know, I watched this guy, studied him when I was doing broadcasting and loved everything he did and this, that, and the other. And what happened? Yeah. So yeah. I'm a firm believer, right or wrong, in checks and balances when it comes to an organization. And I believe with rare exception that no one individual should be given complete control. Why? Because there are times when individuals, when personalities get involved, mm -hmm. when egos get involved, when emotions get involved, and sometimes you become impulsive. And I think that you need buffers and you need checks and balances, and you don't have that with the Raiders. And to me, that's one of the flaws. If you go back and look at Gruden's success, he always had a buffer. You know, whether when it was in Oakland, where you had Bruce Allen and, 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 and Al, you know, Al Davis, or whether it was down in Tampa where you had Rich McKay, there was always a buffer. There's no buffer now. Yeah. I think that is, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope when you give a, when you give a guy a hundred million dollars and you, you know, you can hire a GM and say, yeah, this is, you know, this is the general manager. But at the end of the day, we know that the John Gruden is the one calling all the shots. When you on. get paid a hundred million dollars. You're on. not, <laughs> yeah, you're not getting that money for nothing. So I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that you know one of one of my biggest gripes was that Paul Gunther stayed on too long, and one of the things that I maintain is that I think the the KC win in Week Five last year kind of solidified his his staying for a couple more weeks. But all it did was just put a it put a blanket over what he was doing, and I think that you know hopefully I look at it as you know Gus Bradley comes in, he can change some things on the defense. Offensively, I think this team is is good to go. But, you know, defensively, I think there's I'm some major curious, issues. Though, I'm, I'm curious to see how the O-line is going to hold up yeah. with these young guys. I really am. Um, and look, 
I, I get it. You let a Rodney Hudson go, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, all of that. I, I get it. But we tend to forget sometimes that that for every good veteran you have, a young guy comes behind him at some point and has to play. So right. I'm almost willing to give them a, the benefit of the doubt there. But I'm just saying, you better be right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that, but you better be right. Right, because we saw what happened when the offensive line wasn't that good. You know, and so – you know, obviously the hope is that they're good and, and we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but you're right. I think that we, we have to look at the track record and with one winning season in 18 years, you kind of have to, you kind of have to navigate through that where it's, you know, how do you, how do you come back from that? How do you fix that? Hopefully fans in the stadium will, will bring some of that Raider mystique back to to Vegas. Um, but you know, it's, it's yet to be determined. One in Jim, 18, who'd have thought you'd ever say that about the Raiders, man? Because remember you know, back in the day when you yeah. would pick up that media guide and on the back cover, commitment to excellence, right? You know, team of the decades, et cetera, et cetera. You know, most winning is football team. Yeah, it's like in professional yeah. sports. You know, they were yeah. talking about professional sports, not just football. And it's like, man, to see where the organization is today. And I, and I shouldn't say just today, as you say, I'm saying over the last 18 years, it just blows my mind. And I said this in my column, and I believe this for all the Raider Nation fans who want to hate on me and whatnot. It is a better league when the Raiders are good. No doubt. I believe that. I want them to be good, you know, but you can't ignore what's in front of you and the history that's in front of you. No doubt. No doubt. Now, Jim, I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So before I let you go, I... I a little bird told me that you're not a big rap guy. Ah, Steve. So <laughs> oh, no, here's what it is. Steve, <laughs> it, it gets, it's funny, you know, it gets kind of misrepresented. It's not that I'm a big, not a big rap guy. It's that my, my, my musical genre of preference is I'm an old school guy. I grew up on Motown. So okay. I love, I love Motown. I love ballads, um, R&B, all of that. And I like rap, but if you're asking me to choose one or the other, I'm going to choose, you know, what I grew up on. The other thing is, and look, I'm going to be 100% candid here with you. A lot of times I can't follow along quickly enough to even know what the lyrics are <laughs> with some rap, you know? It's like, wait, what, what, what are they talking about? And I'm not going to generalize here and, and say that, you know, like some people want to do and say it's all the, you know, the the profanity and the I, I don't want to repeat all the stuff on here but right you probably got a, it's a family show <laughs> but you know some of the stuff that's said on there and what they're rapping about in terms of their 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 sexual prowess and this sort of thing I'm right like, hey, come on I just want to you know the greatest album of all time I go back to to me is Marvin Gaye and what's going on and yeah. he was singing about something of social consequence rather than how many women he was betting or this sort of thing, you know? So does that make me, you know, the grandfather type and, and the old get off my lawn guy and whatnot? Probably, but I'm okay with it, you know? So what you got, what do you, what do you have on the playlist? What, when you're, when you're getting out, when you're getting in the car, what's, what's on, what's top 10 on the playlist? Bro, I'm gonna blow your mind. My, my iPod is so eclectic. I mean, I've got r and I've got rock. I've got country, um, I've got gospel, I've got everything. So it just depends on what my mood is that day, to be frank with you. 
Yeah. Um, there are times I jump in the car, man. I'm feeling good. I want to, I'm a beat. I want, I want something with a little higher tempo there. And then there are other times, man, I turn on the, 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 the piano bar, you know, and I just want to hear, you know, something from the, you know, the, 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 the a trio or a quartet from, you know, that smoky, um, jazz room. It, it just depends on my mood. It, it's all there. Um, and it would blow people's mind. I think yesterday, I was coming from the golf range or something and I had James Taylor on, you know? So who's going to think when I open the door and, and <laughs> music's playing that they're going to hear James Taylor, you know, going right. out. So it's, it's everything, man. Everything. I heard that. I heard that. Well, before I let you go, uh, is there anything you want to leave the listeners with anything that any advice, any, uh, any anecdotes you want to leave anybody with? I'm going to say something. I'm, I'm going to be uh, off topic for a minute, but all I would say to your listeners, um, man, just be kind to people, you know, in this yeah. day and age, um, we're all on edge, including me. And, and you know, I, I'm, I wrote about something recently that kind of I felt bad about because I was on edge and, and it prejudged someone. But I'm just saying, man, be kind to people. You know, we don't have to agree on everything, but it doesn't mean that we have to disrespect each other. And even the fans, you know, throwing bottles, spitting on players, um, throwing popcorn on them. Come on. It's a game. It's a game, you know, and never forget that. Never put it out of context. So, so I would say just be, you know, just be kind to each other. No doubt. I think that's a good way to, to leave it off. But everybody, you can follow him on Twitter at, at Jim Trotter underscore NFL. Check out the Huddle and Flow podcast. They have some amazing content. Jim and Steve put out some amazing content. They've got great guests out there. Um, And you can see them on NFL Network. Jim is out there doing everything. I see him all over the place. Um, Great follow. Great dude. Jim, I appreciate you coming on. I'd love to have you on again sometime. No, bro. I appreciate you having me. I'm just uh, give me the word. I'll be here. No doubt. You have a great weekend, Jim. I appreciate you, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. You be well. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.